Bibles to the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 20. And I told you before, we, we're going to be in verse 7, but I'm, I'm, I want to read verses 1 through 7 so that we can get the whole context of our passage today. So Exodus chapter 20 and uh, verses 1 through 7 is what we will be reading this morning. It says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of your fathers or of the fathers, on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Verse 7, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. So today uh, we are focused on the third commandment. The third commandment is found in verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, today we'll, I plan to discuss the meaning of this verse and also how we should respond in obeying it in order to adequately uh, worship God with this commandment. Before we get into any specific about the commandment itself, here are some things to note. Uh, first of all, it is the third commandment which puts it on the first table. We talked about the two different tables of the commandments. The first table deals with our relationship with God. The second table deals with our relationship with one another. Right? They're, they're summed up by the two greatest commandments. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, and strength. That's the first table. The second table, Jesus said, love, your, your, love, yourself. love others as you love yourself. I was about to say, love your enemies as yourself. You can do that too, though. So that's... Uh, that's the second table. That's the second greatest commandment. It covers the second table. Uh, the first table, it deals with a vertical relationship between us and God. This is how God wants to be worshipped. First of all, he wants to be the only God that is worshipped. And second of all, he does not uh, want to share his worship with anybody else. We talked about that last week. He also doesn't want us to worship him through images or anything that we make by our hands. Uh, because he is not like us, and we cannot form anything to represent him adequately. So we need to make sure that we uh, do not do that. Uh, so this third commandment here uh, covers how God wants to be worshipped verbally by us. Uh, so the second commandment deals with uh, how God wants us to properly worship him when it comes to visual representation. The third commandment deals with how uh, we need to worship him in verbal representation. And this commandment here, it comes with a very stern warning. It says, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. In other words, God will not forget any word that is spoken against his name. And he will execute proper judgment on it. Proper judgment will be given to those who break this commandment. We must recognize that these commandments are important. Again, they are a reflection of his character. He gives, it, he gives them to us 
so that we could follow him, so that we can worship him adequately. And uh, we, we can see how serious the Lord is about this with this warning that he gives after the third commandment. So with that in mind, uh, here's the sermon summary. Uh, and, and for those who are visiting, basically the sermon summary is what I'm preaching on today. This is what we, our focus is today. The sermon summary is this. God's name proclaims who God is and should be revered by all at all times. Rephrase that. I mean, let me say that again. God's name proclaims who God is and should be revered by all at all times. Now, um, I don't know if you've ever done a, a word study or, or if you've ever done a study on uh, the name of God. It's a fascinating study. Uh, it's, it's, some, it's a study that you can spend some time on and it's just uh, the, the, the scripture references to his name, what they mean. It's, it's a profound theological topic as well. So I, I, I like doing that. Uh, studying the name of God reminds me of who he is, who I am, how he should be worshipped. Uh, it reminds me of, of a bunch of things like that. Uh, but when you start talking about a name, the first question you ask is, what's in a name? Like, what's the big deal about a name? Well, I'll, I'll show you a big deal. I, I, there are very few people that know this, but my name was not going to be Ricky whenever I was born. My mother had other plans. My name, she had it in her mind that she was going to name me Leroy. Hey, there's nothing wrong with Leroy, right? There's nothing wrong with the name Leroy. But can you imagine my name today being, hey, I see people writing that down. Do not write that down. My name was going to be Leroy. It just doesn't fit me, right? You know me as Pastor Ricky. It'd be hard for you to imagine you calling me Pastor Leroy. So, so there's, there's a lot to a name. There's a lot to a name. A name is very important. So when you ask the question, what's in a name? A whole lot. And when you speak about God, everything. Everything is in his name. Who he is. How he wants to be known. How he wants to be worshipped. How he interacts with his people. How other people see him. All that is in his name. And we, we are first introduced to his name when in Exodus chapter 3, when God reveals it to Moses. Exodus chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. Moses, basically here, he asked God, who are you? We can see that verses, let's, look, look, let's go to Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 10. It says, God said to Moses, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you. So God gives Moses his commission, his calling, and then he promised him to be with him. Now look in response, verse 13. In response to this, Moses says, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I say to them? In other words, Moses wanted to know who God truly was. Because he knew the Israelites would ask him who sent him. And he knew that in order for them to listen to him, it needed to be somebody very important. He couldn't just say a God sent me. 
he asked God, what is your name? What is your name? What is it that they can identify with? That I can say with authority, he came to tell, he came, he told me to come and tell you this. We had an example of that. This happened this morning in, in our household. Uh, the girls were getting dressed this morning to come to church and they had their outfits on everything, but they liked their shoes. I told early, I said, go and get your shoes, go get your brown sandals from the shoe box and also get your sisters and tell them to put it on, tell her to put her shoes on. Well, you know, when you give kids that instruction, she followed it, but not to the T, right? So she went and got her shoes, her sandals. She brought them out and she brought Alora's to her and she threw them on the floor and said, put those on. And what do you think Alora's response was? No, I'm not going to put them on. Then all of a sudden I heard crying. I heard like I heard all kind of noises and I went out there and I said, what's going on? And early goes, she won't put on her shoes. And I said, did you tell daddy said to put them on? She says, no. She just told her sister, put them on. And it made me think about this passage. If Moses would have went to the Israelites and said, hey, we need to leave Egypt. They would have looked at him like he was crazy. But if he came with bearing the name of God and said, Yahweh told me we need to leave Egypt. That's a different story. Just like if early would have told Alora, daddy said to put these shoes on. So he knew Moses knew he was going to come into an issue with the Israelites and he wanted to know God's name so that he could tell the people, this is he who sent me. In other words, Moses needed a name of authority for the Israelites to listen to him. Now, God says to Moses, I am who I am. When God says to Moses, I am who I am, God proclaims his name Uh, to Moses in an amazing way when he says I am who I am it proclaims his eternal self-sustaining and self-determining sovereign reality that's that's God says I am there's no one like me I never was I, I just am I am who I am nobody can change that Nobody has power over me. It is the, the greatest name that has ever been pronounced. See, in the Old Testament, names of people mattered a lot. And the, the meaning of a name was of most importance because it revealed the character of its owner. When you talk about God's name, I am who I am, it translates to the name Yahweh and it introduces God's true character to Moses. God simply is. Now, Yahweh is our God, and his name indicates that he is who he is, and he does what he determines. See, this name of God is the name that is above all names. And this is evident because all of God's other names come back to this name, I am who I am. When we were in Exodus chapter 3, I did a sermon on the names of God, and I want to bring that to your, bring back that to your memory. Um, and how all these names, how they talk about different aspects of God, different things about God, but they all come back to who God is. I am who I am. God is El Shaddai, which is Lord God Almighty. He is El Elyon, which is the Most High God. He is Adonai, who is Lord Master. He is Jehovah Nisi, 
the Lord my banner, he is Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord my shepherd, he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. He is Jehovah Shema, which is the Lord is there. He is Jehovah Mekadishkim, which is the Lord who sanctifies you. He is El Olam, which is the Lord, the everlasting God. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And he is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. And all those names go back to who he is. He is Yahweh. I am who I am. And that's the name that he gave to Moses to give to the Israelites. And the Israelites responded to that. It is the name by which we should recognize him. It is, he is the Lord. That's what Yahweh is translated to. It is, he is the Lord. And that's why you see the Lord so much in the Old Testament. The Lord said this. The Lord did that. Most of the time when the Lord is used, it is a reference back to Yahweh. Now, because the Lord does not change, he is immutable. Because he does not change, the name of God to this day carries on that same significance. It doesn't matter if people treat it that way or not, it is to be revered by all. That's why in my sermon summary, I included all. I included his children, those who are his and saved by grace, and also those who don't even recognize him as God. His name is to be revered by all. Because it is a glorious and wonderful name. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Jesus, he gives us a model of prayer and teaches us that we are to first and foremost proclaim the holiness of his name. Jesus says, pray like this. God, hallowed be your name. That's, that's how you should start off your prayers. You should start off with praising God. And recognizing him through his name. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Also in John chapter 12 verse 27. Jesus teaches us that even in turmoil. When we are going through our, our deepest darkest hour. That we are not to blaspheme, blaspheme the, the, the name of the Lord. He says this. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. He's speaking about the crucifixion here. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Even in that instance, when we are like Christ facing our, our, our deepest, darkest hour, we are not to blaspheme the name of God, but rather we are to glorify it. It is for that purpose that we have come to that situation let us glorify his name in our trouble, in our turmoil. The Bible also tells us that the magnificent of God's name will be proclaimed by all one day. Now, we're not just talking about the church here. The Bible is specific to say that all will recognize him as Lord. If they believe in him or not. Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So again, today his name carries the same significance as it did back then. 
He is Yahweh. He is Lord of Lords, King of Kings. He is, I am who I am. And, and, and everything that he is, we worship, we adore, we, 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 we're in awe of it. We can't even fathom who he truly is because he is just that transcendent. But we recognize him by his name. When we say the word Jesus, the name Jesus, we, we, we shouldn't just say it with, with no reverence at all. When we say the name of the Lord, it should be used in reverence, and that's exactly what the third commandment is pointing to. I usually start the sermon by going into the verse, breaking it down for you, and then giving you an application. This week, I decided to do something different. I wanted you to understand why, why his name is important. It is who he is. He is perfect. It is perfect. He, it is, he is holy. It is holy. He should be worshipped. It should be worshipped. It, it's, it's his name is in direct connection with him. So therefore we have to recognize why his name is important. We have to acknowledge that it is the name above all names. and is the name by which he has chosen to be uh, recognized and chosen to be called. So then therefore if that's what he has chosen then we must take extreme care and using his name so now let's go to the third commandment and let's look at what it means to take the lord's name in vain so exodus chapter 20 and we'll we'll read it again verse 7 it's real straightforward you shall not take the name of the lord your god in vain for the lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain so I ask you again, what does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain? Well, if his name is as important as we have said it is, if his name is holy, if it's majestic, then how and why should we ever take his name in vain? I can answer the second question very easily. The why part is, is, is easy to explain. The reason why we take his name in vain is because we are selfish people who seek our own gratification and glory. That, that's why. We are inclined to sin. We, 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 we have this spirit. We, we are, let me rephrase that. We have this spirit. We are inclined to please God with the power of this spirit, but we do sin. And when we sin in this manner, when we break the third commandment, it is because it is just like every other sin because we are selfish, we are seeking our own gratification and glory, and we just want to do it, and we do it. There is no sufficient excuse for it or anything else. We break, we break that commandment of God. To that I say, let us always be walking in repentance. When we do it, let's repent from it. Let's ask God for forgiveness, repent, move on, glorify his name. So the why is pretty simple. Now, the how, well, that, that's a little bit more complex because it has several layers to it. Uh, there's two things that I really want to focus on today. First of all, the name mentioned in this verse is the same name that God revealed to Moses. I want to make sure everybody knows that. It, 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 all the way back to Exodus chapter 3, it is Yahweh, I am who I am. This is the name that is specifically being spoken about here in verse 7 of Exodus chapter 20. Now, it says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. 
What does it mean to take something in vain? When you look at that word vain in Hebrew, it means emptiness of speech or a false prophecy. So again, it's dealing with our language. It's dealing with the words that we say. It is the verbal representation of God that we give to others. So vain, again, it it means emptiness of speech or a false prophecy. So this commandment deals primarily with our proper verbal use of God's name and secondarily with how we are to properly represent his name. There's two things that go into that. The first, I think most of us get. We're like, okay, I understand that I'm not supposed to use the name of the Lord just just as I use every other name. I'm not just supposed to just casually say it and not have any reverence for it. We, we, I hope we get that as Christians. The second part, I think many people miss. That, that we ourselves, we bear the name of Christ. They call us Christians. And when we don't live like Christ, we are breaking that commandment as well. That's the part I think many don't see, and we're going to talk about both. Yahweh's name and his reputation must be honored. So no misuse of God's name, such as cursing, using his name and cursing, false teaching. I don't know if you knew about that, but False teaching is considered breaking this commandment because I am representing God in a way I am teaching about God in a way that he is not. If I am preaching heresy, teaching heresy about God, if I'm doing something that's extra biblical, I am breaking this commandment. I am using the Lord's name in vain. So so cursing and uh, involving his name, false teaching are falsely Claiming authority. That is also breaking this commandment. To claim something in Jesus' name that he hasn't claimed. Right? To say this will happen. I know it will. God has told me it will happen. It's going to happen like this. And and, and I declare it. Thus says the Lord. No. This Bible is thus says the Lord. That is where thus says the Lord belongs. Only in here. We do not present new revelation. That is breaking this commandment. So as I give you some of these examples, you see these, this commandment, you see these examples happen all the time. And you know the problem? They happen in churches. They happen in churches where The name of the Lord is not revered as it should be. God says, no, that's that's not the way you should worship me. I have a specific way that you should worship me. And considering my name, you must revere it at all times and not just use it any way you want. Now, no misuse of God's name, such as cursing, involving his name, false teaching, false Uh, claiming of authority all that is not to be tolerated because all these flow from a heart that does not revere the Lord you could just say oh it's a slip of a tongue we know we know where all that comes from we know where anger where malice where, where where adultery we know where all the things that we have come from they're not just something that happened they come from our hearts 
See, he is the God that brought you out of Egypt. Now, the reason why I refer to that is because remember, before God spoke the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel, he says in verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He says, this is, this is what I've done for you. This is who I am. This is what I've done. Now follow these commandments. Now, as we, as we ponder about that and we think about ten, the, the Ten Commandments, figuratively, he is the one who has brought us out of Egypt, Egypt representing oppression and slavery of sin. He has brought us out of darkness into light. He has saved our souls. He has done everything we need. Therefore, we must honor his name. We must revere it, and it must be done according to his will, which is found in Scripture. So his name should not be commonly used or misused because he himself is not common, nor is he worthy of slander. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm very careful to listen to people, and I'm sure we all are. We're always listening. It's good to be a good listener. But there is one thing that, that tells me something about a man or a woman very very quickly and that thing is when he he easily or regularly uses the name of God in a common way or he misuses it that's something that gets my attention right away because I think that's extremely important when someone says takes the Lord of the name in vain in typical conversations I typically know where that person stands spiritually because when, when someone can easily or regularly use the name of God in a common way or misuse it, I can show you a man or a woman who does not revere the Lord. And I'm talking about someone who does it, again, notice the words, easily and regularly. I can show you a man or a woman who does not revere the Lord. And if you follow that process, you, you, you follow the path, if a man or a woman does not revere the Lord, then I can show you a man or woman who has no conviction of his evil or her evil heart. And if you continue to follow that path, I can show you a man or a woman who does not know repentance. And if you continue to follow that path, I can show you a woman or a man who does not really know the Lord. Because it is, it is ingrained in us by the Holy Spirit to not speak of his name as, as, as common or misuse it. And, and if you are a Christian and you are just using his name like, like, like it's not a big deal, Especially if you're cursing with his name, that's a heart problem. That's not a cursing problem, that's a heart problem. For you to think that you could just use his name in that way, or if you are, are knowingly teaching 
false doctrine just so that you can get the applause of man or you can get the glory of money, that's a heart problem. And God says, I will not forget that. I will not forget that. Judgment will come upon that. I think it's this commandment is very important. Obviously, they all are, but I think this one is one that's broken many, many times. We even see examples of this broken within Scripture. When Peter denied the Lord, he took the name of the Lord in vain. He denied it. He said, I don't even know him. I don't know him. I'm not associated with him. I, I don't know him. He was, he was a Christian he was a follower of Christ. I know they hadn't used a, the term Christian at that time, but he was a follower of Christ, and he denied the Lord and spoke badly of his name, but recognized something. It tore him to pieces. Peter was repentant. He was hurt. He was just destroyed by the fact that he did that, and he was, it tore his heart to pieces until the Lord forgave him and restored him. I look at Peter and I think he's a great example for us. We should be the same way. When we take the Lord's name in vain, it should, it should tear us to pieces. We should seek forgiveness. We should repent from it and wait for restoration from God. Now, that's, that's verbally, dealing with verbally speaking his name. There needs to be a reverence from us. That's why... His name needs to be in our sermons, in our prayers. That's why we pray in his name. We are asking God for these prayers to be answered according to his name. Uh, that's why his name is in our songs. It's, it's, it's everywhere because that is the way he wants to be worshipped. Now, secondarily, we got to look at too as well. Because we are, because we are a royal priesthood. Because we are a, a royal priesthood, because we are his holy nation, and because we are a people for his possession, then we are his representatives on earth. We are his representatives on earth, and we bear his name, and we proclaim it to those who are lost. In other words, we are image bearers. Of him. We are image bearers of him. So the way we interact with people, how we live, makes complete difference. If we give people a false image of who God is, then we are using his name in vain. I like what John says in 1 John. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him, Yet we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. Now, that's, that's profound because what John is saying, look, he's not saying, hey, if you sin, you lie, and you do not practice the truth. Well, there's truth in that as well. But he's not saying if you sin one time, you're an unbeliever, and you're not a true Christian. That's not what he's saying. He says if we say we have fellowship with him, if, we have, if he is our God and, and we worship him, and, 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 and we have this relationship with God. If we say we have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness. 
When the Bible uses the, name, the, the, the terminology walk in the New Testament, it mostly speaks of a, 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 a consistent lifestyle. This is what you do on a regular basis. So if you say you have fellowship with God, in other words, if you say you are a Christian, yet on the other hand, you walk in darkness, you consistently live in unrepentant sin, and you have no issue with that, then John is saying you lie and do not practice the truth. He's saying you lie and you do not practice the truth. And the third commandment says you're using the name of the Lord in vain. Because I'm professing that I am a Christian, I am following him, and yet I really have no interest in following him or, or, or proclaiming his name or glorifying his name. I, I just want to be called a Christian, but I don't want to live that way. I think that is something that, we, that, that Christians do on a regular basis, at least people who, who claim to be Christians. So we dishonor the name we bear and cause his name to be cursed instead of being glorified. Remember, that's what we're called to do. We're called to be the light of the world, right? We're called to be the light of the world so that others, others can see him through us. And they can recognize that we are different. We are set apart. We are holy. We are not like everybody else. So we are image bearers. I like what Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 say. Says, therefore be imitators of God. I love that. Be imitators of God. That reminds me of my kids when they were little. Your kids, for a certain amount of time, they want to be just like their parents. Sometimes that, at some point, that changes. We all know that. Then they want to be anything but their parents. But while they're so young, they want to be just like their parents. They try to dress like them. They try to act like them. They try to do everything like them. I love how, how Paul in this verse is, putting, is pushing us to be imitators of God, our Heavenly Father. Be imitators of God. As beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. I love that verse, and I put it in here because, to me, that's what, that's what being a Christian is all about. It's about being an imitator of my father. It's about basking in, 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 in the glory of being counted as his beloved child. It's about walking in love. Not, not, not the love that the world says is love, but walking in what God says is love. Walking in love as Christ loved us. And, and giving myself up in service to the Lord. Why? Because he is the God who took me out of Egypt. He is the God who saved me from my oppression and my slavery. And it's about serving him. It's about being a fragrant offering. What does that mean? Well, it means about being a fragrance to others outside so that when they see you live and, and, and they see you, your conviction that they're glorifying God instead of cursing him. Now, sometimes you can't control that. 
what people and how people respond to you. But glorifying God is not what's, what others think. It's, it's about what you are doing if you're walking in obedience to Scripture or not. That's what we have to worry about. So it's not only about just one thing. It's not only about just using the name of God in a sentence inappropriately. When we talk about the third commandment, it goes much deeper than that. It's about our worship to him. It's about what we think of him. It's about how we revere him. It's about all those things, and it's extremely important that we remember that in everything, the way we talk, also in the way, the way we live, that it is our job and our calling to glorify his name in those ways. Let us pray.